0: Uh, Let me start by saying that um, the Christmas season is upon us. It's in the air. It's in the malls. (laughs) it's, uh, It's upon us. And the Christmas season makes me happy and a little sad at the same time. Very happy because I get to spend it with family, with friends, in the comfort of my home, wearing PJs and ugly Christmas sweaters. Yes, Um, doing 1,000-piece crossword puzzles, eating, drinking hot chocolate, and exchanging gifts. It's a good time. But it makes me a little sad, because the whole world only thinks about Jesus during this time of year, most of them at least. And this morning, we know that as Christians, Jesus is on our minds and on our hearts all the time, not only for a season, or a few days during the year. But this morning, I'd like to change the way I think, and I invite you to consider doing the same. Instead of looking at at the situation with a cup-half-empty attitude, let's look at it with a cup-half-full attitude. Yes, it's not good that most people only think of Jesus during these times of the year. But let us look at it with a positive attitude, because there's, it's the only way that we can capitalize on the fact that actually most people are receptive this time of year to hearing the good news about Jesus. So with that said, Sean and I put our heads together and we devised a December 2017 sermon series that we just simply called Jesus, Son of God for this December, for this month. And it has four lessons. First lesson being last week that Sean started us off with from birth to death, talking about Jesus and his arrival on earth, how he lowered himself so that he could become one of us. So that he can put forth his mission on earth to die for our sins on the cross. That was his whole deal. Why he was here to bring us that sacrifice so that we can all be saved. So we want to build upon that. This morning, for Lesson 2, we'd like to build on what Sean already started us off with last week. With that particular sacrifice that Jesus did, we now have the personification of grace from God. So this morning, for Lesson 2, I would like to talk to you about Jesus, God's grace. Our task this morning is going to be simple. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about what grace is. We're going to see what Jesus' part in that grace is. And then we're going to move on to talk about our part in God's grace. So let's start. <clears throat> um, what is grace? Grace is a concept that is that appears in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Both. In the Old Testament... The Hebrew word that is translated as glory is this word, chain. And in the New Testament, it is the, the Greek word that's translated glory is charis. And in both instances, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, grace has the same meaning. It hasn't changed. Um, so for the purposes of, of ourselves this morning, we are going to look at definition of grace. The most popular definition of grace uh which is God's unmerited favor that is what grace is God's unmerited favor but you probably think well, what does that mean what is God's unmerited favor let's talk about the word favor we all know what that word means it's it's something nice it's special it's something that's done for us it's a gift right it's uh it's like special treatment even it's that special have you guys uh, remember the last time you traveled by air and you just feel that you know you just want to be part of the first class people you know be a first class passenger I feel that every time that I fly I wish I was there because you know what they, ha- they all have the- they have all the preferences and special treatment they get to board the plane first and when they sit down they have these big chairs they have like all the food they even have real cutlery right? Not plastic stuff. The grace of God is kind of like that. It's special. It makes us feel good. It's something that, you know, makes us feel important. But one of the things that uh, that uh, defines God's grace is that it is unmerited. You know, the first class people, they bought tickets. That's why they're in first class, right? But this is unmerited. That means we cannot do anything To earn it, or buy it, or work for it. It is unmerited. One of the things that uh, defines that particular characteristic of the grace of God, being it's unmerited, is that it is directed towards us. Sinful people. Everybody is sinful. Everybody is sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And because we have all sinned, we are condemned to die an eternal death. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And you know what? We can't do anything about it. We are powerless to cleanse ourselves from the, from the guilt of sin. This is God's unmerited favor. But to give us uh, a good illustration on what it means, God's grace. Let's look at a story in the scriptures. Let's look at uh, Noah. Let's go back in time and take ourselves back to when Noah lived. Remember Noah's Ark? Yeah, that's the guy. Okay. So back then, thousands of years ago, the people of the world have become so bad. They have become so sinful and evil and violent that everything that they thought about and did was bad. So God felt sad. Felt sad. And he regretted that he made man. And because of his righteous judgment, he wanted to destroy man and the world in it. So let's let's look at that. Genesis 6, 5-7. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time the lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled so the lord said i was deeply uh, so the lord said i will wipe from the face of the earth the human race i have created and with them the animals the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for i regret that i have made them but after he said that the grace of God appeared in the scriptures for the first time that's Genesis six five to seven in verse eight this is what it says but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord in the NIV it says favor what does this grace what did this grace do for Noah? We may ask what is it to him that but God favored Noah well According to Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, this is what happened. To those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. So God's grace translated to Noah into his salvation. Him, his wife, his three children, and his three sons' wives. Eight in total. But you probably ask, well... Does that mean God only offers grace to like, certain people, but only offered to Noah? He's, they were the only ones saved. No. Look at that verse. That verse tells us that God was patient with the people who were disobedient, so that they can change their ways. He waited for them throughout the time that Noah was building the ark. Then you probably ask, well, how long did God wait? It's, it's a good question because, you know, I'm not very gracious, I guess, compared to God. I don't wait long. Um, the ark was a big ark. How long did Noah make the ark? The ark was 150 feet long. That's about a one and a half football fields. And it was 50 feet high. That's about a four-story building. Huge. I looked it up. Commentators and uh, uh, scholars, they agreed that it probably took him about 75 years. Looking at his age and the age of his sons, they extrapolated information. They said they came up with that number, about 75 years. Maybe even longer. God waited for them to turn themselves around for three generations. That is God's grace. But how did Noah... Grab a hold of this faith, uh, grab a hold of this hope, or uh, this, this 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 grace. Well, according to Hebrews 11 chapter 6, uh, chapter 11 verses 6 to 7, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Do you see that? How did Noah grab hold of that grace? By faith. By faith. That was his part in the equation, is faith. By faith, he believed and he did what God told him to do. I'm not saying that. I'm, you read that. You read that in the scriptures right there. So let's make it relevant to us. When we go back to the question, what is grace? Let us make it relevant to ourselves. What does grace mean to us, to you, today? Well, the same thing as it meant to Noah. To us, grace, the grace of God means His mercy, His forgiveness, and His salvation that we do not deserve. God looked as, has looked at us favorably. And we didn't earn any of it. Not because we looked beautiful or we looked good, not because we earned it, not because of what we have done, but because God wanted to give us a free gift. That is God's grace. But hold on a second. How did God give this grace to us? How did it come to us? Well, this is when Jesus comes into play, his part. You know, having kids is great. I love it. You know, Chad and I talk about it all the time. And obviously he does talk to you about it too a lot. Having kids is amazing, especially when you think about getting excited to go home to them. You know what I'm saying? Going home to kids. It's so cool. One day, that happened to Linda. She she, she came home and she heard Jacob crying and, and, and asking for mama. Mama, mama, like in his crib. Linda didn't even take her shoes off. You know what, that's, that, that, what that did for me when she didn't take her shoes off. She went right into Jacob's bedroom to where the crib was with open arms. But then the complication in the story came into play. This is, this is what made it complicated. I said, Linda, Jacob is on timeout. She, he can't leave the crib or his room. And I saw Linda's arms go... She was thinking, be, Jacob was just there. If I turn around now, what is that going to do to the psyche and, you know, of, of my child? Linda was thinking, you could see the hammer, the, the, the hamster, like going around the circles there. You know what Linda did? Linda went into the crib. Linda went inside Jacob's crib. That is what Jesus did for us. He went into our crib. According to our scripture reading this morning in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. We beheld His glory. We saw Him. People back then saw Him. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The gracious God, Emptied himself so that he could be flesh like us. Isn't that great? Now you can just see the logistics of that. He would have to leave his home in heaven to be here with us. Can you imagine being demoted like that? That's what he did for us, for me, and for you. Philippians 2, 5-8. to In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus emptied himself. And not only that, on earth, he had to prepare to be the to be a suitable sacrifice for all of us. That means he had to be perfect. The reason why we couldn't do anything for ourselves is because the law couldn't justify us. Because we broke it. We couldn't, it couldn't justify us. But Jesus had to do that for our sakes. Hebrews 5, 8-9 Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him perfect was jesus while he was on earth that's why he he was able to die for us but look what happened to him in his perfection this is what makes me a little uneasy sometimes second corinthians five twenty one. god made him who had no sin perfect to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god did you guys see that have you guys been accused of something that you did not do How did that feel? It felt horrible, right? Jesus was up there. Condemned by God. That's why he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Imagine forsaking your own child and letting him die there. That's what happened to him. Because God saw him and his sin. You have to die. You have to die, son. Because you are full of sin from all of us. And so in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did. What's Jesus' part? On the cross. That's why we sing, He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. We just sang that. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I will never pay. Now, what is our part in all of this? Well, this morning, I want to give you three. We need to appreciate that grace. We need to receive that grace. According to what Gerald told us this morning, that's excellent. And we need to give or use that grace. First, we need to appreciate it. One of the biggest things about appreciating a gift, the gift of uh, grace from God, is for us to really understand one hard truth. One hard truth. That God justifies the ungodly. Some people don't understand that. And yet some people cannot accept that. But when we appreciate God's grace, we need to understand and accept that. One of those people who could not accept that was Jonah. Do you guys remember Jonah? The guy in the big fish? Right? God chose Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is now modern-day Iraq. Two countries over him. Right? Jordan and then Iraq from Israel. To go there to tell the Ninevites which is the capital of Assyria, which was the superpower back then, that God will be merciful to them if they change their ways. And then they will not be punished for what they have done. Jonah won't have any of that. You know why? Because the Ninevites were bad. They were horrible. They were so violent that when they plunder and attack and conquer a city or a kingdom, they would actually cut pieces off from, their, from the people that they kill and they would wear them ears, eyes, limbs. That's how violent they were. Jonah won't have any of that. It's kind of like a Jewish person in Winnipeg being asked to go to Nazi Germany back in the war to say, go to Hitler and tell him that God is going to save him and he's not going to be punished for whatever he's done. You know what Jonah did? Instead of going to the Middle East, he went to Europe pain. You know why? Because he knew how gracious God was. Look at this verse, John chapter four, verse two, second part. I knew that you were a gracious God and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. God is a gracious God and we need to appreciate that. So for us today, know that the grace of God is sufficient for you. You can't say, well, I did so much. I I did too much. I was too evil. No. God's grace is sufficient for you and for me. Next, we need to receive it. We will be remiss if we just think that God's grace is just there for me. It doesn't matter if I receive it or not. You need to receive it. How? By faith. Just like Noah did. Ephesians 2, 8-9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Through faith. you see that? Through faith. Another verse. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How did we get to this grace in which we now stand? By faith. We need to believe it. And we need to do what it says. Faith is belief. With action. That's what it is. Now, we also need to give it. And I have a couple of verses in there to really understand what it means to give grace. To use it. To be able to really have its effect in our lives. Titus 3, 4-8. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We understand that. We just talked about that for a few minutes. Not of our own, but all Him. But it gets complicated. But it doesn't have to. But it gets complicated. Look at the second part. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly But those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. The thing about grace is many people trip over that. Well, Jay, I thought you said that God's grace, I can't do anything for it. I thought I can't earn it or I can't work for it. But how come Paul, when he wrote to Titus, said that we have to do good works? I don't understand, Jay. Do we do something or don't we not do anything? This is how we make sense out of this. This whole part right here is the first part. When we were without Christ, imagine when we were without Christ. We were sinful. We were like wearing filthy rags. We were we were horrible. We were in the corner. Nobody, no laugh, uh, no hope. Nobody to care for us etern- in, in, in eternal life. We were hopeless. That was when God's grace appeared to us. He said, you don't have to do anything. I am doing this for you because I want to snatch you from darkness into the kingdom of the sun that I love. Going from here to there is grace. But grace still is with us, even here. Here, we live up here. Not down there anymore, in the mire and the muck. That is why Paul tells us through Titus that we should be careful to live up here. Not down there anymore. But when we maintain good works up here, we're not earning salvation here. We are already saints. We are already part of the saved. We're not down there anymore. We are here. That is why this verse appears to us from the Word of God. Titus 2, to 12 For the grace of God has appeared that, suffers, that, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We are not children of God. Not beggars and sinners and filthy people anymore. We're now clean. That's why that applies. And when we do that, we give back grace to other people and we demonstrate it in our lives. So this morning, our message is simple. God's grace has been given to us. God has a part, that's his part, and our part is to appreciate it, receive it with faith, and to give it back. But I want to just, I know it's late, I apologize for that, but just suffer with me for two more minutes. I just want to wrap this in a tight little bow. So you would understand, so when you leave here, you know what grace is. And you know how to use it in your life. And you know it's an important thing for us Christians. Have you guys been to the circus lately? Do you guys, you guys like circus? I love Cirque du Soleil. That's one of my favorite things to watch live. And I love the flying trapeze. Look at that. The flying trapeze. Look at this guy right here. He's right in the air. That's amazing. I I marvel at their dexterity, their timing, their physicality, their dexterity, their talent. But you know what, you know why they can do what they, what they do there? You know why? Because of their confidence. You know what makes them confident to be up there? That stuff right there. the safety net our lives as christians is like is like that with grace that is our grace right there people marvel when they look at us and they go i i appreciate how they love each other those christians they're the best neighbors they're the best citizens they're the best coworkers they're the best students they're the best children why because we, are, we have the confidence in God. Because of His grace. We may fall. But it will always be a happy landing. We may slip. Things may happen in our lives as Christians. But we can always say. Every single time. Another happy landing. Every single time. Because of our safety net. Because of our grace. So this morning as we close. I want to invite you. If you have not experienced the grace of God yet, if you have not received it for yourself, for yourself, obviously you have not given it back or used it in your life. Today is the day. Now is the time. Come forward. Give your, your trust and your hope in that grace. Accept it in faith. The, water of, the waters of baptism is ready for you at this time.